Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 248. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to discuss Beauty and the Beast, Belle's Magical World, the canon sequel to the original Beauty and the Beast. All right. We're going to start this episode in an unusual way with a debate because I am still not convinced that this is a sequel. We watched the Christmas Beauty and the Beast. I, I don't even remember what it was called at this point. The Enchanted Christmas. I would have sworn that that was the sequel. Well, originally, and I researched this, originally, the concept was that the Christmas film would be the sequel to Beauty and the Beast. The original plot was that Gaston's brother was coming back to avenge Gaston. Does this sound familiar, by the way? But they were going to center it around Christmas time, you know, like you do, because family's violent at around the holidays. With a canon sibling that we had no idea existed. Yes. So there's a trend that we're following here. I would have much rather watched a movie where LeFou, who has no canon death, tries to avenge Gaston. But instead... They made the Christmas film just a Christmas film that was a spinoff. This is the direct sequel to Beauty and the Beast. I still don't understand how you can call this a sequel. Because before we get into our review, because this is in three shorts. So we're going to do one vignette at a time. But before we do... We need to address the giant beast in the room. How can you call it a sequel when he is not yet transformed? Because this, and this is where it gets weird. This is, this is supposed to take place. This is meant to fill in the gaps. If something there wasn't a montage in a song, this is what you'd have. Well, this is supposed to fill in the gaps because... We don't know exactly how long, to my memory, we don't know exactly how long Belle is with the Beast. Right. Supposedly, at least through the holidays, because he's a beast in the holidays, this is supposed to be little things that happened to fill in the gaps, and it's supposed to be Belle, Belle's tales of whimsy that helped bring the house together and made the house fun. And made her fall in love with him. Yes. Um, however, what this actually is is three episodes of a television series that was canceled before it even made it to air. Wonder why. So instead of just scrapping all of it, because they got most of the original cast back, they spent a lot of money on it, though you can't tell when you actually see the animation. Um, they put all of this together because this was actually finished before the release of the Christmas film. They released it after the Christmas film, but it was finished before. So the Christmas film is just meant to be a Christmas special at this point. I mean, this does make sense, though, because we had talked about this last week that a lot of the Disney Renaissance films 
had television series. I vividly remember Little Mermaid. I vividly remember Aladdin. And I couldn't remember anything from Beauty and the Beast. But now we know why. It's typically, for those who have listened to us, it's at the point in the show where I sit there and go, did this happen? Does it hold up? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I just have too many questions. And not I'm enough not answers. I'm, I'm not enough answers. So I'm not even I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Fierce Fox Co. Designers of handmade silkscreen shirts. Fierce Fox has a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or crew neck for every fandom. So whether it's the movies or theme parks, princesses or villains, the MCU or Star Wars, everyone will find something they love. The designs range from subtle quotes from our favorite films to iconic characters we can wear proudly in so many different styles, such as sketchbook and concert tees. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 20% discount using the code Monoreal at checkout. Visit FierceFoxCo.com to check out all of the collections. And if you've ever wondered if we have that intro canned or not, now you can tell because I was laughing through half of it. The first vignette is entitled The Perfect World. What a cruel irony. The perfect world or word i got world i got word (laughs) oh okay so maybe it's the perfect word well wouldn't that make sense because they introduced a new character webster who is a dictionary i may have just written the wrong thing down because i just was completely i'm not even gonna lie you don't care Uh, no uh read your plot i will look it up okay the beast is intimidated by bell despite their improved relationship after an argument over the temperature at the dinner table, Belle storms out, infuriating the Beast. Neither wishes to be the first to apologize, so Webster, Crane, and Laplume, they are objects in the house, a quill, a dictionary, and a ream of paper, write Belle a fake letter from the Beast. Perfect word. Okay. Which would really make sense based on the couple of sentences you've read so far. And it is an imperfect world, as we know. When Belle apologizes to the Beast, all seems well until Cogsworth accidentally exposes that the Beast never wrote a letter. So the trio admit to their forgery, further uh, angering the Beast, who then kicks them out of the castle. Belle feels bad for not apologizing first and retrieves the castouts. The Beast overhears her tell them that the Beast has a good heart and will forgive them. The Beast then apologizes to everyone, and Lumiere apologizes to Chandelira, who's a character that we have never seen before. He apologizes to her because he got aggravated with her earlier because she was all up in his business. Um, I mean, look, (laughs) you you remember when David Letterman used to just start laughing at like high pitched giggles in the middle of his monologues? I feel like that's what I'm going to be doing my best Letterman today because I just can't help but laugh at some of this. And I look, I know the last couple of episodes have been not the most kind to some of the creatives at Disney and Disney being in the state that it's in right now, not always the jolliest, merriest, most whimsical point of view. But the the fact of the matter is there is such thing as too much of a good thing. The fact that this became a canceled television show is proof of it. And even worse is that 
they, I mean, look, it was direct to, to VHS. It didn't go to a movie theater. But the fact that they just, like, threw it all together in a blender and said it's a movie. The fact that this is a sequel, quote unquote, although IMDb has it as a midquel, because that's a thing. Apparently. I don't think that either one of them at this point, I mean, look, Disney is calling this the sequel, but I... Maybe there is no right answer to what the sequel is. Regardless of what it is, my point is this is what follows up your Oscar-nominated animated film. Like, are, are you kidding? This makes Little Mermaid 2 look outstanding. I mean, comparatively, it is. Well, we're putting the cart way before the horse here. Let's, let's break down because we're not even out of the first vignette here. Um, what threw me the most other than just seeing the beast back in beast form in a sequel because that was the other thing we didn't get to watch this at the same time and i had never seen this before you warned me i warned you how terrible it was and you were like you're gonna know right away and i was like oh really it's that obvious it's that obvious um so what's interesting here is that bell is already in the castle we can kind of deduce that she's switched places with Maurice a while ago because she's already settled into a room, which, if you remember, was not the arrangement right. when they first switched places. Um, you know, that was something that Lumiere Cogsworth and Mrs. Potts sort of encouraged the Beast to offer Belle since she was supposed to stay permanently. Yeah, it so, was like his first sign of generosity. Well, not his. He was kind of uh, coerced into doing it. But yes, it was it was his first olive branch. Right. Um, so she already has the room. But we don't really have a passage of time. Because once he made the effort to give her the room, Belle in turn starts softening her stance on him. And then, you know, eventually they have dinner together and she helps him and whatnot. Um, but here, when we meet the Beast, I feel like he's already being so polite without Belle's guidance. Well, what I'm assuming is that, and I'm overthinking something because th this plot is senseless. Frankly, they should have just scrapped this and never released it. Um, without any clear definition of where we are in the timeline, I would assume that this came after the something there, you know, like already an improved relationship. But I'm overthinking this because I'm trying to rationalize something that's irrational. See, I kind of feel like it's before because, I mean, really, the first time that Belle does open up to him is after well i mean she leaves after be our guest she straight up leaves she runs from right. the castle she gets attacked by the wolves the beast saves her and the first sign of any sort of caring is how she treats his wound yeah and then she thanks him and that's well, when we reviewed beauty and the beast we kind of did say this it, it seems like it's taking place over two days two day to night transitions that we right. actually see before gaston goes and beats down the door so this clearly 
stretches that time out and accounts for what we're not seeing. Um, but I feel like, yes, at the beginning, because the beast isn't biting people's heads off, he's working with his staff. We actually see like how the castle sort of operates because he's writing a letter into town for more wood. I actually like that they gave us that little glimpse into the day, the day to day. Um, I thought that's one of very few things this actually does well because he's being so nice when he's dictating this letter then I would buy this is after the something there sequence. But the way that they completely regress him in the dinner scene and in everything that follows, I don't believe that Belle has had her complete effect on him yet. Who is Chandelira and why do we care? I understand you're going to introduce new characters for the sake of television. However, this is where this completely fails, other than the fact that these three vignettes make no sense and the animation's horrific. Because it is. It, the animation is really janky and really bad. Um, we have specific instances of it, too, that we will yeah. get to, because I don't want to just completely trash the art here, but there are specific examples that I have. I mean, the CGI that opens the film to the book is really, really Ugh. bad. I mean, unwatchable. Um you don't introduce new characters who are supposed to be established in a film. You really shouldn't do it in television. However, you kind of, I hate to say it, you, you sort of have more leeway with TV, especially when it's based on a very uh, impressive and successful IP because there was a time where TV was very cheap. It was very cheapened. However, it also works if you're exploring the world and meet new characters along the way. It's very difficult for you to introduce new characters in this universe because they're all condemned to the house. And this movie and television show really only take place exclusively in the castle or on the castle grounds. So introducing new characters who we've never seen before doesn't really work. I'm actually going to disagree with you there because we know that there was a whole castle staff that got enchanted. So not only is it safe to assume that there are more characters besides Lumiere, Cogsworth, and Mrs. Potts and Fifi that we haven't met yet, we see that play out when Gaston attacks the castle. There's a whole room full of people that help defend it. So we know that there are more and I can completely buy this notion of they just, you know, didn't develop everyone. So now is the opportunity to get to know them a little bit that they're doing these vignettes. Um, to answer your original question, though, who is Chandelira and why do we care? I think that's why this feels so disconnected, because they give her like this backstory with Lumiere that they've had this ongoing rivalry. And that was always his thing with Cogsworth. So... I kind of thought the same thing when I was first watching this. I was like, this feels so random. But then on the second time, I, I don't know what happened, but my wheels started spinning and I, I, I was so sympathetic for this character because I was like, out of everyone, everybody else gets to move about the castle. She is stuck hanging there. 
She can't do anything. They have to go to her. And it really didn't hit me until Mrs. Potts goes back to check in with her. I was like, she's at odds with Lumiere. She can't even do anything. She can't even seek him out to go talk about this. She has to wait for somebody to come and see her. And I was like, this is the loneliest character and the, the loneliest person in this entire castle. To me, that's where the entire story is because I was just so like just swept up in this idea of she has to wait until dinner to socialize and everybody else can move about freely. I mean, like, yes, they are all prisoners in this castle, but she's got it by far the worst. If I hadn't pointed out to you <clears throat> that this was made for television, that this was a television show, would it have stuck out like a sore thumb? Yes, <clears throat> because of her relationship to Lumiere. Had they not done that, had they just introduced her like they do the other characters without giving them such a deep backstory, it's just kind of like, oh, of course they're here helping the beast out. I actually like the rest of the new characters. I really like La Plume and Crane. Um, like I just said, that was a very natural fit that like, of course the beast, this is like his assistant. He would have had somebody helping him out um, running the household. It, it's like a butler almost that's, that's drafting up these letters. So I totally bought that. I really liked Webster actually. And I wish that they would have leaned into the comedy a little bit more of how, Anytime he gives a word, he's got to give every other synonym for it. So I wish that they would have played up on that a little bit more. But um, they were able to just insert them into the narrative. And, and we can just buy that they were there all along. But you're right. Not Chandelier necessarily. The whole plot to me just seems senseless. Like... We're going to bicker and we're going to argue. Nobody wants to be the first to apologize. So we're going to kick out the stationery. Like, <laughs> it basically is what is happening here. Um, I'm, I'm going to die on the hill that this should have died. Like, there was no reason for any of this to be released. But I'm sure Michael Eisner saw this as, we can at least recoup the money we've spent. So slap it together, put it in a VHS box, and sell it to kids. I mean... That's part of it, but you also have to think in terms of this is a television show. This is 22 minutes. Get in, get out. Part of the reason the story suffers so much is because they are leaning so hard into the theme of forgiveness. And that's what's driving this entire thing is so that the kids take away is how important it is to apologize and not only to apologize, but to also forgive. And because they have to get us there, everything leading up to it just feels so janky. Um, one of the things that I did like, though, is that part of what kicks off this argument is that they're they're eating dinner and Belle is filling the beast in on this book that she's reading, which we all know is Cinderella. So I thought that that was like a really clever wink and a nod, a cool little Easter egg to have in there. But he's so focused on the temperature and she keeps going on and on and on about the book, which she does. We know that she talks about the books, but it's interesting where, you know, you're using it as a defense mechanism against Gaston and she's using her love of reading as an excuse to bury her face in the book and ignore him where here it's all she wants to focus on. And it sort of comes off as a little rambly and annoying. And I hate that they knocked her down a peg 
just so that the beast can have his like side conversation about the window because he's ignoring her at this point, even though he does keep turning his, turning his attention back and, and asking, okay, so then what happened? He is sort of engaged with it, but they are trying to drive the point home that he is still so self-absorbed. All he cares about is the temperature that he is comfortable at in this room. And then they open the window and snowflakes are blowing in because this, that's the, that's the one consistent thing throughout these three vignettes it is always winter. This castle is always cold. I was cold watching it. I didn't find him to be selfish <clears throat> so much as I found him to be overwhelmed with her. I think he wanted a window open because he was sweating and he was hot because he was intimidated to be around her because I think he is, at this point, now starting to develop feelings for her. Of course, it would help if we knew exactly when in the hell this was happening in the timeline. Well, he does say that to Lumiere before... It, it actually feels like an entire retread of the Beauty and the Beast sequence. Meaning, not when the movie, I mean him. the song. Yeah. Exactly. Um... And he does say as much like I she makes me feel something. So I'll give you that. That was sort of lost in all of the chaos surrounding this scene because they're talking over each other. You still hear her giving the plot of Cinderella where he's sidebarring somebody to open the window. Um, what happens next, though, <laughs> because he's so obsessed with the temperature, he punches Webster which is really not going to help his case with Belle. Um, and I was really surprised that they would go to that point in a television show because other than Gaston, who he does show mercy before he slips, we don't really see a lot of violence from the beast. We see Gaston stab him. So I'm not saying that the film is not violent, but usually it's not coming from beasts. So I was really surprised that they went for it and had him out and out hit another character. However, as if that's not awful enough, he flips the dining room table. So technically, if all of these objects are enchanted, did he just massacre like half of his staff? Because in the next scene, you see a broom sweeping up pieces of glass. And I was like, this is horrible if you really think about it. I don't think every single thing in the house could possibly be enchanted. But I get the point that you're making. No, but if you think about Be Our Guest, every single one of those plates and cutlery had life. Well, they did. <laughs> that was Chip's cousin. Well, apparently... I'm putting a pin in that. I'm, pu I'm putting a pin in that. Until we get to the next vignette, but... Let's let's continue with this. So after this bit, they sort of reconcile and Belle is reading to him again. This time they're in front of the fireplace and the beast is crunching on something. I don't He's crunching on snack. Yeah, it's a snack. I Belle could read in any situation. She can read with the townsfolk singing and dancing around her. I singing about her, mind you. Yes, I don't buy for a second that this is so distracting. Distracting. She can't focus on the book. And what's more, this is where it it, it takes me right out of it. This is what I was talking about as an example of the animation being absolutely terrible and doing a disservice to the film 
she is straight up cross-eyed in this scene when she looks up from the book. There is no other way to describe it. One eye is looking one way and the other eye is looking the other way. The other eye is looking at Rick. Yeah, it's... (laughs) It is so bad. And I hate saying that because you know that we have nothing but love and respect and admiration for the Disney animators, but good Lord, how did no one catch this? Bootleg bell. Oh my God. Oh. She bootlegged Belle. It is totally bootlegged Belle. Now, yeah, if this you... was worse than seeing Fa- Flounder put on 40 pounds. Now look, at the end of the day, if you could convince me that these straight to VHS sequels, at least the first two that we've discussed, are like the theatrical trailers that are that kick off Tropic Thunder, if this <laughs> is the bootleg films... From the Rescue Rangers movie? Yeah. I would buy it, I'd live with it, and I'd say, well done. Incredible job. But unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. Yeah, if this is what Stinky Pete is selling, like, I'll I'll go with it. That's not even necessarily the most egregious thing. Uh, well, no, it is because that was drawn, and, and no animator, no animation supervisor, nobody caught it. Um, but equally as bad when the beast finally does come to apologize, um, after he kicks out, um, Webster and the plume and crane, and he says, anybody who gives them any comfort, I'll show them no mercy or whatever it is. So of course they, they get lost and end up back at the castle. Um, and Belle takes them in, so she's got them by the fire, and then the beast comes from outside, and he sees them. So everybody is shocked at this point. They're waiting for his reaction. He's behind Cogsworth. Now, we know that they're recycling animation, obviously, to save on the budget here. But he is outside and behind Cogsworth in the wide shot. Then you get a close-up of Cogsworth, who is standing in front of the beast's foot, clearly inside and then we go back to the wide where he's outside again the the lack of attention to detail here or maybe maybe you were paying attention to it and they were just willing to let all this slide is really upsetting like what bothered me in the beginning of this vignette is how bright and airy the castle looked like everything looks like the library that we all love as Belle is walking through the hallway there's no suits of armor there's no there's not like that dark dinginess it looks like after the castle transforms back when she breaks the spell it's so bright and airy that i'll give a pass but this is unforgivable is it just me or by the end of this vignette does it seem like chandelira and lumiere didn't really have so much a feud as much as they did like some bizarre romance a little something something yeah which completely unravels our next vignette. Fifi's Folly. It's Valentine's Day and the fifth anniversary of Fifi and Lumiere's first date. Lumiere forgets the date and rushes to prepare the evening. He accidentally starts a fire that Belle and Mrs. Potts put out, all while struggling to put his feelings into words, so Belle offers to help. As they walk off together, Fifi sees them and mistakenly believes that Lumiere is now in love with Belle. While Lumiere prepares a surprise sleigh ride for Fifi, she attempts to get back at him by making Cogsworth fall for her. (sighs) 
Cogsworth isn't interested, and Fifi attempts to sabotage the evening and seems shocked to see that the night was planned for her. While on their sleigh ride, the rope tethered to the footrest who is pulling the sled snaps because Fifi was cutting it earlier, sending the sleigh traveling out of control. Belle hears their screams for help, and as they careem off a cliff, Lumiere tells her that uh, he loves her, and he saves her from falling. And then they, too, are saved, because they're hanging off this cliff, and Belle and the rest save them from a certain death. I actually do enjoy stories like this where one character has half the story and then runs wild with their assumptions. So I like the structure here. Um, Could it have been better executed? Yeah, absolutely. Especially because they tell us at the top of it, things aren't always what they seem. So we're starting off very heavy-handed here. Lumiere is getting bugged driving up and down the same old strip. He wants to find a new place where the kids are hip. Because this guy, and I, I almost cursed, this guy gets around, as is clearly evident by how we ended the last vignette. But, I mean, it was always Fifi, and that's where I don't buy the notion that he forgot their anniversary either, because he was always the one, you know, smooching her behind the curtain. Mr. Romance himself, the one who is the Beast's wingman? You forgot the anniversary? Frenchmen don't forget the anniversary. No. They don't do it. I don't I don't buy that for a second. You know what else I don't buy? Well, there's a lot of this. The fact that Chip has siblings. Where did these where did they come from? How dare you, sir? I mean, how dare I? In Beauty and the Beast, when Mrs. Potts says goodnight. Off to the cupboard with you now, Chip. It's past your bedtime. Right. She says, go with your brothers and sisters. Maybe not in that exact moment, but there is another time she sends him to the cupboard. Or when they're getting a bath. Why is it that when they all turn back into human, whether it's in the classic classic animated version or the unthinkably bad live action, we only see one child? We only see Chip. All right. I will give you that one. You know what's even more odd about that? And I'm how only many, realizing how many it now. children yes, could she possibly exactly. have? That's such a flaw with the original. Because there's like a set of what, 12? Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about getting around, Mrs. Potts. <laughs> we I'm should not have done think this. About we should, honestly, the Beach Boys the we rest of the day. should not have done this because now we're just going to find flaws with the classics oh my gosh we're gonna come out on the other end of these straight to dvc to straight to video sequel reviews and we're gonna start agreeing with the live actions this is gonna take us in a complete 180 i'm still not gonna watch snow white um (laughs) in spite of what disney wants no but i will (laughs) you know what i will say after seeing this this is the live-action Beauty and the Beast is not the worst thing to ever happen to it. I'll agree with you. Um, and we hated that. But, but, uh, something else I will, I will agree with you on. There are moments in this that are actually very funny. Fifi? Yes. In front of the fire 
angry, Fifi talking about Belle saying she has no shame. I, it's I wrote such that a one great. Down. She has no shame. I love it. I love it. Why did you sound Jamaican just now? Yeah, really? <laughs> Are you going to go slap at your base too? Because she doesn't say the age. She's French. It was actually, the misunderstanding was very good. I will give them that. They wrote actually some fairly good comedy here. And because we know what's going on, the more worked up she gets and the more that... uh Lumiere and Belle accidentally step on their own two feet. Accidentally. It gets better and better every single time I see it, Michael Keaton. And and that's about the only thing I can say that is positive for the rest of this episode. Yeah, of the three of them, this was the best comedy. But specifically because Fifi is hurling insults at Bell. I think she oh, there's another one too where she calls her um oh, I forget the exact word. Not a harlot. They didn't quite go that far. Um not, and not a home wrecker. I can't I But it was something it down. but it was something to that effect. I remember what you're talking about. Um but yeah, it, that was legit funny. And then it totally falls apart because this this sleigh ride with the Okay, so first viewing, I thought it was a tub. I thought this was the bathtub. Yeah. It's a punch bowl. It's the ugliest punch bowl I've ever seen. I have never seen a punch bowl that looks like this because no. it does look like a bathtub. And big continuity error. So speaking of all of Chip's siblings, when the fire starts, the punch bowl comes in full. And I was like, all right, this is going to be like a good bit here because he's too heavy to get up the ladder and they can't lift him. That's not what they went with. In the next shot, he's empty. And then Chip and his siblings come and they fill him up. But they're still not going to be able to get him up this ladder. So Belle, which in every single emergency here, she grabs Mrs. Potts. Did you notice that? Every time it's like, come on, Mrs. Potts. And I mean, like, okay, you grab her to put out the fire. That's kind of a no brainer. But then I hear Lumiere. He sounds like he needs help. Come on, Mrs. Potts. What is she... Forget about even not having opposable thumbs. She doesn't even have limbs. How is she going to help Lumiere when you don't even know what kind of peril he's in? (sighs) I will say this, too. I do like the premise of Lumiere setting a fire because there were so many like near misses in the original. I like that they actually explored what would happen if something goes up because of Lumiere. But it might have been more funny if he was supposedly having this romantic dinner with Fifi instead of a sleigh ride where he accidentally ignites something. Yeah. Um, I got to be honest with you. I don't have much else on this one. I don't know if you have any other notes on this, but I my last note on it is it's better than the last one, but that's not a brass ring worth grabbing. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like I honestly just don't really have anything else on this. It's funny, but I don't like that this entire thing is at the expense of Lumiere's character because you've completely undone everything that we know about him. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to take this broken wing? <laughs> yes. Cogsworth is losing control of the staff while Belle and the Beast have plans for lunch, with Be- uh, which Belle quickly forgets about when an injured bird flies into her room. The wardrobe, who is allergic to birds, 
sneezes as they hide the bird as the beast hates birds. Mrs. Potts sees the bird and promises to keep their secret as they help mend the bird's wing while Cogsworth holds a meeting disrespecting the staff while demanding respect himself. Mrs. Potts tells him that he needs to be softer. When Belle does not arrive for lunch, Cogsworth and the Beast go to get her. Beast finds the bird and loses his mind, but he trips over Cogsworth and hits his head and forgets that he hates birds. (laughs) And instead decides to put the bird in a cage to have him sing on command, upsetting Belle. The depressed bird refuses to sing and causes an argument between Belle and the Beast. The staff also falls into a depression over Cogsworth's treatment of them. The Beast releases the bird, who now trusts the Beast. But he isn't strong enough to fly. So the Beast saves him as he careens towards the earth. Cogsworth falls from the balcony into the garden but is saved by the rest of the staff, who he then begs for forgiveness. The bird flies off as morale improves, and then comes back with another bird, who I assume is his love interest. Let's first start off with the teeny tiny positive here. As far as tracking with the original film, Cogsworth is the only one whose character I believe because he is acting the same way that he is in the original thinking that he's better than everyone else. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Laughing at his own jokes, thinking who he is. I totally buy this version of Cogsworth. That's bossing everyone around. My first three notes. Bell hates, uh, sorry. Beast hates birds. Bell hates beast. I hate this fever dream. <laughs> I almost Do you could... have any more notes past that? One or I, two. I was going to say One that's got to be like three or five notes. I honestly could not believe the plot. Now, mind you, for those who are new to the show, I promise you, we're usually nicer and happier than this. Um, we watch, and it doesn't matter how many times we've seen a movie. It could be once. It could be a hundred and first time. We watch it just straight through. The second time we watch it, we take our notes. So I have already seen this. By the time I am sitting to take my notes, I sat there and shook my head as I wrote this out because I literally could not believe what I was writing. Beast hates birds because. And then has a spell of amnesia. Um, yeah, this is, this is just, it's, it's bad. Like, it's bad for television. Everything collapses. There, there's just no motivation whatsoever. First of all, all right, I gave it the credit for Cogsworth's character, but the first error to me is that The setup is that Beast is going to invite Belle to lunch. Where have we seen that before? And it's the same, you know, they're hyping him up just like they do before the big dinner, the yellow dress dinner. So that's where it's like, I mean, I get it made for TV, but like we have seen this already. 
there were no other ways to start that like outside perhaps instead you've got him coming into her like forcing his way into her room which was kind of uncomfortable like not to try and read too much into it but you know it it does very much feel like she hasn't been there for very long and she's keeping to herself the way that he forces himself in there. I'm sorry. It's cringe. Um, the wardrobe. I mean, I'm, I'm happy we got Joanne Worley back and I'm happy that she got a bigger part this time around, but allergic to birds. Seems like a stretch even for this. Also, you were once a person. That's going to carry over to you being made of wood. Apparently. Um, the other thing is that, I, I mean, yes, I am happy she got a bigger part, but it's also sort of at the expense of everything that we know already because she's saying to Belle, like, he's not so bad. Once you get past the fur and the attitude and the breath or whatever it is, you're supposed to be hyping him so that she falls in love with him, so that the spell is broken. So she is completely counteracting everything that she's supposed to stand for right now. And to that point, the whole staff is is in on this together. So why are they wildly out of control now? Exactly. They're, they, you, you, they are wildly out of control so that you could make Cogsworth a bad guy. So that he could learn a lesson along with the Beast by the end. But there is a really funny moment with Cogsworth where uh, the Beast is sort of grilling him about what's going on. And he's like, I don't know. And then the Beast is like, what time is it? And he goes, I don't know. And then the, they that's the one piece of animation that's great is the look that Beast shoots him like, you're a clock. So I thought that was kind of funny. But then after that, it just unravels even more because the Beast becomes so unhinged. The step scene is laughably bad. It is so dramatic when he falls, when they're chasing this bird and then he falls down the stairs. It it looks like, it reminds me of one of those commercials for um, the, the life alert yeah. where the help I fall <laughs> and I can't get up. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the elderly, but like that's what it reminds me of is the bad acting when you trip over something that's not actually there and it, then you lay helpless. You know, commercials prior to 1994 would depict that human beings didn't know how to do anything right. <laughs> Whether it be answer the phone or stir a drink, <laughs> crack an egg, crack an egg, or carry a laundry basket. Future generations or aliens that apparently are existing, and we know that they are, but society doesn't care about that right now for a multitude of reasons. We're going to ignore that we were told that aliens exist, are going to look at this as research and wonder how we made it this far. I sometimes ask the same question. <laughs> it doesn't look like we were capable of doing anything. And yes, this looks like a life alert commercial. Well, you know why they did it? is because this is all recycled animation. It's the wolf scene, and it's the scene before uh, he transforms, where she's standing over his bo his lifeless body. Are we This also... time it's lifeless from when he got concussed on the stairs. Yeah. The, yeah. The poor beast now has CTE. Are we, are we going to overlook the fact that it is 12.07 in the afternoon? It is 12.07. Bell is late for lunch. Noon sharp. Cogsworth said so. 
and it's pitch black outside. Oh, I didn't even catch that one. I did. I was too busy looking at Belle's head, which is like clearly recycled from the film, and it's slapped on a body that's completely disproportionate. She looks like a bobblehead doll. She does. She looks like a Bratz doll. Especially when she's cross-eyed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, okay. But they, she wasn't cross-eyed in the bobblehead scene. So at least those were two separate instances. You were in a... Han shot first. In the, the, the horrific CGI where Han Solo in the re-edits for Star Wars, where it looks like his neck breaks to, right. to miss the... That's what this looks like. Oh. I'm I'm just going to I'm going to turn it over to you because I don't my my only other note is beast is a villain and I don't know why. You have the first off you don't even see the beast in the Fifi episode. He's gone. Don't know where the beast is and I'm kind of okay with that because you've taken a character that we fall in love with by the end of the film though we never really rooted against in the original animated classic which is perfection. And you've done nothing but make him a bad guy who's dislikable. Why? Yeah, I was sort of saving that for my final review. Blanket statement for this entire thing is that it would have been more effective if you left the beast out of it entirely and showed us more of Belle's interaction with the castle staff. If we were going to bother to do this, taking place in the same timeline as the movie, because it's not a sequel. Anyway, um, yeah. Bad animation, even worse story here, because the Beast, I, I'm going with he has a concussion, because I think that makes this story better than he forgot he doesn't like birds. Um, he takes the bird and we all of a sudden revert back to him being completely selfish. If the bird's going to sing, it's only going to sing for me. And he says as much, was there not another character that could have delivered that line? Because I mean, had that happened, it still would have felt on the nose, but it wouldn't have been nearly as bad as your main character preaching their motivation so that everybody under look kids, I'm going to cage the bird. Because I only want it to sing for me. That's what this is doing here. And I get it because a little kid is going to go, well, if he doesn't like birds, why does he take them? But that's the thing. He wants to. It, it's like Belle. And then he does have that realization of how the, the bird does parallel Belle because he says to her and then it dawns on him that how do I know the bird's not going to fly away? And the point is, he needs to learn to trust it, that if he lets it go free, it will stay of its own volition. But they say that like in the next scene, it doesn't they they don't wait to resolve the movie that way. Yeah, that would have been a better resolution for this whole thing. And is it and I I mean, I love Paige O'Hara, but when she gets like really worked up and sad and defensive of this bird. Oh, she sounds like she's from the 1940s. I was she sounds like Judy Garland yep. in The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, oh. Oh, how would you how would you make how would it make you feel if you were oh, you know what I'm saying? Like that's like she sounds She sounds transatlantic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
That was, I'm sorry to say it like that, but what you just heard me do is bell this entire episode. Not not even just in this vignette, in all three of them. This was the the worst, though. I feel like, but but this was the most over dramatic out of. That was the direction here. Be as over the top as you possibly can, all of you. Refer to the life alert stairs. Um, I I got nothing. I got nothing else. No, I I don't either. I mean. <sighs> I guess to try and end this on something positive, I'm really glad they got Robbie Benson back to voice the beast because I don't think anyone else could do it. Like Prince Eric, you notice the voice changed, but not in an, not in a way that's distracting here. I think it would have been completely distracting uh, just because he has the ability to shift between that, aggressiveness and and the growling to that softness when he does realize that he's in the wrong or that he does care for Belle and he needs to be softer with her. So that's that's a another what maybe the third check in the positive column for this whole thing. I mean, look. I kind of knew that this is what we were walking into when we decided that we were going to do this straight-to-home video release series here. But I thought, maybe, we were going to discover another return of Jafar. That was the hope. That was the hope. So far, it has not been what we have accomplished. There's still time. And I hope, maybe we find a gem somewhere. But this ain't it. This is one of these things where they just threw it together and insulted the intelligence of a child. Put it in a put it in a box, put it on the shelf at the video store. It'll end up in an Easter basket. Let's make back the money that we wasted on it. And let's move on with our lives. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. Because for some reason, inexplicably, this sold like crazy. Are you kidding? This VHS sold like crazy when they put it out. But I mean, think about it. Though. Think about how popular this movie was. And and that's where Eight I... Eight years prior. But that's the staying power of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, because this did beat out Little Mermaid 2 yeah. as far as its release. And that's where, in a weird way, as bad as this is, I kind of understand why they did it in the same timeline as the original film. Because can you imagine... We get to see Prince Adam for all of two seconds in human form, which to me is the biggest travesty of this. But he is the most handsome Disney prince you've got. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't fall for the smolder of Flynn Rider. It's Prince Adam and Prince Eric for me. Um, I would have much preferred to see him in human form. And, and that's the whole point of doing a sequel, right? Is to see what happens and how they can, how they are. Now that he's learned his lesson and now that he's being kind to people and the influence that Bell's had on him and see their relationship grow and evolve and see them um, evolve with the, the castle staff, too. And, you know, because to Bell, they were never staff to her. They were her friends while she was imprisoned. Let's just call it what it is. So it would have been so nice to see all of that evolution. However... Is your target demographic, specifically little boys, 
in the target demographic going to gravitate towards Prince Adam in human form or the Beast? The Beast. Exactly. And, and here we are. For what it's worth, to the point you made earlier, the live-action Beauty and the Beast is not the worst thing that happened to the Beauty and the Beast saga. And I'll do you one better. I, I never thought that we would say that. I mean, we spent almost three hours with Lisa on that review. It might have been more. I'll do you one better. Um, um, oh, boy. Not counting the Christmas special, because to me it's not a sequel. The better sequel to Beauty and the Beast is what they did in Descendants. But we are interested in knowing what you have to say about... Beauty and the Beast, Belle's Magical World. You can let us know on X, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up if we decide we're going to stick around. But first, a quick break. If you're thinking of booking a trip to a Disney destination, you have to contact Jackie Zalezi. My husband and I recently celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary and wanted to go on a trip, just the two of us. Jackie suggested Disneyland, knowing we'd never been and I had been dreaming of going. I am so thankful for her suggestion, as it was the most magical way to celebrate. Jackie got us a fantastic deal, but still constantly check for discounts to make sure we are guaranteed the lowest price. Having recently visited Disneyland, she was a great source for helpful information and had suggestions for everything, including meals, Max Pass, even places to visit in Los Angeles on our non-park day. Upon arrival at our hotel, we experienced the easiest check-in because Jackie had taken care of everything. Throughout our trip, Jackie was in constant contact, making sure we had everything we needed and answering any questions we had. Our vacation was perfect. So if you are interested in completely free assistance planning your Disney vacation, you can get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets, or you can email me directly at monorealradio at gmail.com. So news this week, Disney has announced that due to the hurricane, Adalia, that is going to be impacting Florida at, at the time of this recording tomorrow, um, their virtual grand reveal event for the Disney Treasure, their new cruise ship, has been rescheduled from tomorrow to Tuesday, September 5th at 11 a.m. I am so bummed because I was so looking forward to this. I mean, first and foremost... Uh, I hope Florida is okay. I hope everyone is okay because we didn't do so good during the last hurricane. Um, but I get why they're pushing it back because it would be in poor taste to try and hype everyone about a cruise when a lot of cruises are going to be canceled in the coming weeks. Um, you and I have never done a Disney cruise not for lack of interest. It's something we've talked about for years, but because we always vacationed in the parks, it just wasn't something that was really feasible for us to right. do. But now that we're down here, it's so easy to leave out of Port Canaveral. Um, you know, I feel like that reality, that dream is going to become a reality a lot sooner rather than later for us. Absolutely. And I figured if any ship was going to do it, how cool would it be to do our first cruise on the Disney Treasure? Because based on the little... Hints that they've been dropping so far. They haven't really revealed any concept art yet. I think that's what this virtual reveal was supposed to be. Um, but they've done a couple of promotional videos where a member of the Disney Cruise Line gets Aladdin's lamp and they make a wish to go on the treasure. Uh, and we've also gotten a treasure map that has 
so many different films represented. I mean, Peter Pan uh, on this map was was Neverland. It was Pride Rock. It was Marvel. Uh, there were just so many different things that this covered. I was so excited. And if it's piratey themed, all the better. I was so excited. Now we have to wait a little bit longer. So there's not only that, but also parks related. It sounds like there's going to be a little renovation done over at the Disneyland Resort over by the Haunted Mansion. But they're not doing any work to the attraction. In fact, it's a good thing because it is showing just how popular the attraction has continued to be up to this point in time. Yes, it looks like they're going to expand the queue and lean even more into the New Orleans theme. I think it's going to be similar to what we have here in Walt Disney World where there's a lot of interactive things that you can do while you're waiting. Yeah, because at Disneyland, that was something that stood out to us. It's You very yes. much feel like you're just waiting on a line. And we did get to do Haunted Mansion Holiday yeah. when we were there. But other than being able... I mean, there was plenty for us to do while we were waiting because we had never seen it up close before. So that was plenty of time to take in all of the details and look at all the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. But other than sometimes putting the characters out front, which I believe they only do during Halloween, um, there's just not much there. And because they released a major movie, this ride is going to become even more popular than it already is, and the weights are going to increase. I'm surprised that they didn't do this before the release of the film. And have it ready to go before the popularity increases. But the concept art looks cool so far. Um, and it, it it looks pretty similar to what we have here in Florida. And in Disney Plus news, uh, it was announced that Disney has decided ultimately not to move forward with Nautilus on Disney Plus. Which was going to be a series that chronicled Captain Nemo. But here's what's very interesting about Nautilus. It's already bought and paid for. It's already been shot. It's in the can. So instead of just putting it on Disney Plus and giving us content that they promised us we were going to get for our subscription, they have now decided to screen it privately for other studios, other networks, and other streaming services to sell away. So it is going to see the light of day, but not on Disney+. Plus. There are just so many things wrong with this. Okay, let's start with... Yes, obviously, this is a disservice to the paid subscribers. Um, I, I, can, I have a very strong inkling that by the end of this year, you and I are going to go down to ad-supported, because this is utter nonsense. Second of all... You're going to screen it for other studios to purchase when none of them want to pay their own writers. So they're going to buy your product. I mean, they might because everyone is going to need content for 2024. But why wouldn't they keep it? Why wouldn't they give us something new in January when they're not going to have anything? Because it's showing us and they're calling it a cost cutting, cost cutting. There's cost-cutting, and there's devaluing something. Yes. And I understand for tax ramifications and all of that other nonsense, you are trying to, on paper, devalue the streaming service. However, the court of public opinion 
has deemed that you are devaluing something that we are all paying for. If they think that this is going to help their problem, I think that they're in for a rude awakening, which unfortunately has kind of been the splash of cold water that Disney has had to deal with for the last year and a half or so. The fact that you are telling us that you do not care about your streaming service is not enough of a reason for most people to continue paying, especially because we now have no new, t new, no new content to look forward to, and a lot of the new content that people did like, you are pulling down and will continue to pull down. Stranger Things did not have a new season for years. People still held on to Netflix because they would re-watch Stranger Things. Right. If there's the threat that you are going to pull down The Mandalorian, and I think that they might because they're going to put it out on Blu-ray now. I know that you and I have different feelings on that. If people feel that WandaVision is going to get pulled down because it's going to Blu-ray, there just doesn't seem to be enough there at this point to keep people going back to watch Frozen for the umpteenth time when for two months worth of a subscription, you can own the Blu-ray and play it forever with your physical copy. Right. This whole system is just so broken and it's ridiculous. Um, no, and this is a bummer for both of us because, I mean, we love 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. You, not the ride so much, but uh, the movie's fantastic. It was so ahead of its time. The rewatchability is, is there still. Um, it's incredible. So I was really looking forward to this. Yep. Follow-up question, though. Was this supposed to tie in to the Society of Explorers and Adventurers? Is that also going to collapse now? I would assume that it does. Now, that's just a guess. They did not say that it was connected to it. However, I think initially the idea was that all of this was connected. And I think because... I think because Jungle Cruise didn't do great. I think because you are now canning this particular project... I feel like it would be very hard to move forward with C because you probably had a lot invested in this character who is no longer going to be your IP because you're going to sell it to CBS or to Fox or to whomever. I don't see a world at this point where C continues. They'll blame it on the writer strike. Disney has gotten really good about putting the blame on other things, a pandemic, a writer's strike, a this, a that. Eventually, people are people are already starting to see through it because the subscribers are falling off. I think that this was something that I was very much looking forward to. This was something, this was one of those kind of off-the-beaten-path original concepts that I felt people would be interested in when they had Disney+. Plus. Shows like this, shows like Encore, movies like Noel, shows like Prop Culture. Nobody really needs more Marvel in their life. Nobody really needs more Star Wars in their life. And even Bob Iger has said that he's pulling the reins back on Marvel and Star Wars. So if the lifeblood of your streaming service was Marvel and Star Wars content that you've already thrown your hands up and said, we're dialing back on it. You needed this really unique content that spoke to the heart of true Disney fans who are the only people that are going to realistically keep your streaming service anyway. The fact that you've kind of thrown your hands up and have moved on from it, yeah, I don't think that any of this bodes well 
in the whole grand scheme of things, I think that C collapses, and I think that this is going to be another casualty of the quote-unquote writer strike. I'm going to disagree with you there, though, because I feel like what this year, this summer specifically with Barbenheimer has taught us or should have taught these studios is that the public wants fresh content. And although, yes, we do have 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, technically this is an IP. Um, I think it would bode really well for them to make sure that C doesn't die because that's going to be brand new content. And you can, you, you have enough to franchise it because there is so much material there. As a response to what you just said about new content... Disney's put out a lot of new content in the movie theaters this year that very few people went and saw. But they are original put- concepts I'm talking about. So let's see how Wish does. When Wish comes out in November, yeah. that's yep. going to be the tell. Whether people want fresh content from everybody or whether people are just looking for fresh content independent of Disney. That's my That's, to me, going to be the true tell. Does Wish take off? You're absolutely right. We want to know what you have to say about this week's Disney news. You can let us know on X, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. I just gave you the email address. Uh, We are on all of the major social X, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, TikTok at Monoreal Radio, and for links to everything related to the show, it is online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.